I just want to give you a little bit of an update of things in Puerto Rico. Uh, last time that I came in, we were in the middle of the big crisis. Uh, first of all, thank you for your generosity, church. Uh, we, we were able to work there and do a lot of things. One, 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 one piece of data, my mother-in-law was without power for eight months. So it was, that was uh, one part of the island where she is. My parents were like around six months. Uh, I did 12 trips. Uh, first, like six, seven trips, we took like around 40 generate, generators and cash to be distributed around people in need, especially pastors. We wanted to support pastors and care for them. And after that, I did like a monthly trip from uh, January uh, to June just to meet with the pastors, have dinner with them. We did a conference for uh, just, there were like around 800 people that went, and, this, and the subject was uh, the presence of God in the middle of crisis. And that was totally free. And it was a blessing for the churches, for the pastors. We, we took them to dinners, uh, just pray with them, laugh with them, cry with them. And we're talking right now, okay, how long-term care may look and, and see how, in which ways Sovereign Grace can serve them. We, in November, we're doing another conference for, for just the, the general public. And uh, Mark Prater will be coming with me also. So thank you guys for your generosity. Uh, it it would not been possible uh, without that. And uh, just a couple of things uh, going, going through. I, I feel like family, so just to, to fill you up. Uh, we're about to maybe uh, adopt a church in Bogota, Colombia, that we've been working with for the last couple of years. I just came in, in uh, June, past June, uh, and we have a couple more trips going down there to see if, if this is the Lord's will. Pray for that in August. Uh, I'm going to Guatemala, Juarez, and Medellin to serve in different places and different opportunities. Uh, Juarez with the conference from Carlos Contreras, but uh, Guatemala and Medellin with just churches that are hungry for uh, sound doctrine and the centrality of the gospel. And just, just pray for those opportunities. And uh, another thing, if you can pray for us, uh, I'm in the process of writing a book for Lifeway uh, that we publish in a year. Uh, I had never thought I was going to do that in my in my entire. I, I was an engineer before being a pastor. I never liked writing, and um, for some reason the Lord has been just pushing that. So pray for that. Just the next month and a half, I'm very into it. I have a deadline to to meet, and pray for my family in the midst of of that. Uh, but we're taking our vacations in the middle of all that. So, uh, and I, I like to say this not to not for at the end of the service you guys come and say. You know, I, we understood you, or your English is not as bad. No, don't, don't feel sorry about me. I, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not asking for that. Uh, uh, Marcelo knows, knows me. I'm pretty confident. Uh, <laughs> 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 but but I, 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 I do pray that my accent is not a distraction, but a reminder of the unity that we have in Christ. I, I, you know, with all the things going on with immigration and all the different positions and I just see the beauty of unity when we come together from different cultures to praise Amen. our God. I was just talking with Dr. Mays, and if you can open your Bibles in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, and I was just talking with Dr. Mays, just telling him that 
when, when I got the invitation f with, from Larry uh, and Devon, Kathy was excited. We were all going to come as a family. We have friends in the church that she enjoys spending time with. And uh, we, we decided this, this summer to do uh, summer swimming for our kids. It's the first year we do it. Man, that's intense. Woo, I didn't know people. That's religion. And, uh, and uh, so, so I'm, I'm that kind of guy. If I'm going to do something, I go all in. And uh, I decided to become an official. So I'm, I'm, if you have been summer swimming, I'm in the pool with a white shirt, blue pants, doing the calls. And the, the sun is like hitting on you for like three, four hours. And we come from that and we're toast. We are like tired and the kids are tired after swimming and the sun. So we thought it, it would be better for them to stay today, rest, so they can be ready for our service, which is in the afternoon. That's, that's our, our main uh, uh, concentration of the day. And so I was telling that to Dr. May. I said, man, I grew up in Puerto Rico with the heat. You know, it didn't affect me. And he's like, well, you're getting old. And I'm like, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> and that's come from a doctor. <laughs> but, but he may remind me of something that I think this passage show the, the reality of living in a fallen world that our bodies are breaking down, and, and, and we are going to, to suffer in different ways. And many, many times we're not ready or we get shocked by these things. Like I was telling him, I'm now, I just turned 44. I know I look younger, but <laughs> my, my running, my body is not the same. And, and, and he, he, it's, sometimes it's hard to accept. And in the midst of some of those things, this is feeling tired. Last night I was, we were watching like Anne with an E uh, in Netflix. And I'm like there, like I, I fell asleep watching TV. That would never happen to me before. Oh, I'm getting old. <laughs> I was drooling at all. <laughs> but when, 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 Things start breaking down and things don't go our way. We, we have this temptation to think that God has abandoned us. That God is not there. And, and, and the reason is many times because we have bad information. We believe things that are not truth. And because we have believed lies, we come to conclusions that are not correct. And one of those conclusions is God has abandoned us. That, that happened to the church in Thessalonians. They got some bad info, and that affected their emotions, and they felt abandoned by God. But what, what we need is good doctrine, good data that will be a foundation that we can stand on it, and we will not forget that God has not abandoned us. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your mercy and your kindness. Thank you that you had not abandoned us. And even though many times we can be tempted to think that way, when we look at Calvary, where Christ was, in a sense, alone for your goodness, we know that you had not abandoned us, Lord. So let us be informed not by our emotions, but let us be informed by the truth of Scripture and the Gospel 
so our emotions can be steady by the truth of your world. In your name we pray. Amen. So, so we live in times of fake news. Fake news are everywhere, and, and everybody's saying this is fake news, and that's fake news. And let me tell you something. What you, the, the, whatever you ascribe to one side or the other, both sides have fake news. CNN will give you fake news, and Fox will give you fake news. And I know some of you may think I'm a, I'm a heretic by saying Fox has fake news. But the source of information is important. And many times in, in, in Facebook more, you, you get people like sharing things that you are like, what are you doing? How, how can you be sharing that when you know that's not like a reliable source of information? You know, like something happening, some nukes moving in, in, in Israel or whatever, and things that are not real, but people believe them, share them, and allow their emotions to be affected by those things that are not real. That, that happened in Puerto Rico when the storm came in. We, we were getting uh, communications completely break down. There were people in our church that it was like three weeks before they were able to talk with their family. And then you're getting all this data coming to social media that was not real. Things were bad, but some of the information was putting things worse. Like uh, some people from, from our church are from hometown called Arecibo. And all the news coming in were like the whole, the whole town is flooded, like everything is gone. And that was not real. That's actually one of the parts of the island that wasn't hit as hard. Uh, that was happening in other places, but not in that place. And many people in our church were going nuts because they were allowing false information to inform uh, their emotions. I don't know if you guys saw also the Volcan de Fuego in Guatemala, and we have people in our church from Guatemala, and people were going nuts until, you know, you let good information come in. Okay, there's a volcano going on, but it's just uh, uh, two small communities that were really affected by it. I'm not downsizing the situation. I'm saying we need to react with the right information. In this passage, we can see that the same thing happened with the rapture. In all these left-behind movies that you watch and then you cannot sleep for like a week or something like that, the future can cause anxiety. Not, not knowing what's going to happen. Uncertainty of the future is one of the biggest things that cause anxiety. You see, right here, this passage, God is giving us a glimpse into the future so we can live life without anxiety. He's allowing us to see the end. He's allowing us to, to see how it's going to end so like today, we can live without anxiety. Maybe in the middle it's going to be tough. He's not worried about the mirror, about the middle. What he's worried is like the end, so we know he's going to win, we're going to be protected by him, and we can be free of anxiety. The problem is, we care many times about the things in the middle. Our jobs, our security, our bank accounts. Instead of our soul, and how God is going to take care of them to the end. So when the uncertainty of the future gives us anxiety, we need the comfort that only the gospel can give. 
when the uncertainty of the future gives us anxiety, we need the comfort that only the gospel can give. And we're going to read now the most important part, the most important part of the message, these 12 verses, which are the inspired word of God. And I hope nobody yelled goal in the middle of the sermon. <laughs> I'm watching you, Marcelo. <laughs> Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarm, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion come first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he take his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrained, he will do so until he's out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed when the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring, the not bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by, is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. And with all wicked deception for those who are per perishing. Because they refuse to love the truth and so be safe. Therefore, God sent them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. We give thank God for his word that is perfect and doesn't have any errors. So the church of the Thessalonians is a great, I've been, I've been preaching through first and second Thessalonians, I've been loving it. This church, Paul was with them three weeks, three weeks. And it's one of the churches that get more and more encouragement of how well they're doing. If you compare with Corinthian church, with Paul spent 18 months, maybe more, and they're a mess. <laughs> So Paul spent a lot of time with the Corinthians, their mess, and just three weeks with the Thessalonians that they're doing great, which show us is God the ones that work with people. And small efforts that we give for the gospel can give big results. Because it's, it's God the one that do the work. He's the one that sustain the work. He's the one that move forward the gospel. And this church was suffering. They were being persecuted. They were being persecuted uh, by the faith. One of the things that Paul is encouraging them is how they have remained faithful in the faith in, in spite of the persecution. It's, it's actually in, in chapter 1 of, of, of uh, Second Thessalonians, he's saying that this is the righteous judgment of God that they're suffering. It's like kind of showing that they're still part of the kingdom because they're suffering, but remaining faithful in their suffering. So, so, so in some ways showing that the suffering has a purpose because it shows that they have true faith. That they're, 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 they're remaining steadfast because God has elected them and now they are being able to continue 
in the faith by the grace of God. But somebody told them that the Lord has already come, that the rapture has already happened, and they were freaking out. And I, I can't imagine that. You're suffering. You're in the middle of suffering. And that's, that's one of the problems with the rapture. People use it for all kinds of things except for what is intended to be, which is to bring comfort to believers. The book of Revelation is made to bring comfort to, believe in, to believers, not to scare people. I, I remember when I was like 10 years old, my dad was a new believer. He took me to uh, so, some kind of like weekend about uh, the book of Revelation. And he was like a graphic uh, artist. And it was all these things that he put on. And I, 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 I couldn't sleep for weeks. That should not be a defect for a believer of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation should give you hope, safety. In the midst of persecution, he will take us to the end. And this is the same thing happening here. And they were like freaking out because somebody told them, the Lord has already come. And they're like, have, have we been abandoned? We're suffering here, waiting for that day. That's one of the reasons I think many Americans, we, we don't think that much about that day that he will come for us. Because we have it good here in the States. But I will tell you, believers in China are thinking right now of the rapture. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, come and, and rescue us, Lord. You are our only hope. We, we, we need to, to be restored to, to, the, to the fullness of the kingdom. So they felt abandoned because somebody gave them false information and they believe it. You see the connection? False information. They, they, they swallow it. They believe it. And it affected their emotions. You see, we need to, to, to get our emotions in line with biblical truth. Most of our ups and downs emotionally, highs and lows, is because we're allowing fake information to, to, to control our emotions. Ups and downs. One of the things I love about my wife, I love many things. We went to a wedding, the, the Perez were there, uh, and I was like, man, I, I love my wife. She put out the, um, I don't go into go there. But many, things I, many things I love about my wife is she's very steady emotionally. She's very steady emotionally. And the reason is not because she's not an emotional person. The reason is because she believes in the word of God. She, she believes in the promises of the Lord. And when her emotions are going up and down, she, she thinks of truth and applies it to her life. So that her emotions like in the mind, but, but steady. And you see, because of bad doctrine, we allow our emotions to go up and down. Let me tell you something. In the reform camp, we, we, we always are talking bad about the prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel this, prosperity gospel that. But you know what? We have believed it. We have believed the lies of the prosperity gospel. Because every time some little thing happens to us, we are job. Like our lives are like you like shaking. Our emotions are like, like, you know, destroyed by every little thing that come to our life that is not even suffering. That we would not even be considered suffering when the, the church has been, was being persecuted. Because we have believed the lie that our lives should be perfect. 
And our emotions reflect that. We don't say it, but we believe it. Bad traffic, you know, Armageddon. <laughs> People get angry. And you are in a car with air conditioning. <laughs> you know, 200 years ago, you, you, could, you, were, you were in a horse, you know, jumping up and down. <laughs> 200 years ago, you wouldn't get it out of like maybe from here to Gettysburg. That was whole, your whole life. But now just a traffic jam is the end of the world. And our kids need to like stay tight because they're going to get a wrath. Because our perfect life has been affected. We have believed the promises of the prosperity gospel. Because our emotions many times reflect that. False data reflects our emotions. You see, we can only give you what Scripture gives you. I was telling the church when I preached this sermon, said, here comes Hosello again with the negative vibe that suffering is okay. I'm not saying that suffering is okay. But what the Bible never promised is the removal of difficulties. The Bible never promised that. Never promised that. Actually, if you see the prayers of Paul here, he never prays for the removal of difficulties. He prays for the perseverance to the end. In the midst of persecution. He promises his presence will be with us, with us in the midst of difficulties. He promised he will be with us. He promised he will defeat our enemies. And he promised he will protect our souls. So, God is giving us a glimpse to the future so we can have peace today. When uncertainty of the future gives us anxiety within the comfort that only the gospel can give. Point number one on the longest introduction ever. False information distort reality. False information distort reality. I'm Hispanic. I, log, I go long. That's, that's, that's our thing. <laughs> so, so bad information can have, not, not can have, will have. An effect of us. If we allow bad information. And we have been surrounded by it. Like everywhere. So we need to make sure that our worldview is informed by biblical data. And we need to have the, the discernment to, to, to see bad information. Identify it and see what is the truth behind it. I'm not saying that we need to like. Get into a bunker and don't, don't be a, outside the, the world. But we need to be able to, to see bad worldviews. Just took my kids to see Jurassic World. My, my kids love uh, dinosaurs. And at the end of the movie, I talked to them. There's a worldview there that is, that is giving you that is false. I don't want to spoil the movie, but it's part of the illustration. Uh, <laughs> I will give you seven bucks if, you, if <laughs> something about what, what, the ticket or the, what is the ticket. But, but at the end, what they put is that the dinosaurs are more important than saving human lives. Because we have this all like healthy earth kind of movement. Actually, my, my, my 11 year old came out of the movie and he told me that that's wrong. That was his first word that he said that that's wrong. What happened there is wrong. 
I'm like, good. I hope some 40 and 50 years old have the same discernment because it seems that sometimes they don't. Because we just see it and we don't think it's going to affect us. And those things start like getting inside of us. So false doctrine, what will happen is it will steal our peace. Verse 1. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming, seem, seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion come first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. You see what he's saying? He's saying, this, this false data has shaken you in mind, has alarmed you. You have been affected because you believe a lie. False information, false doctrines will have an effect on us. We cannot be like just pe- passive about it. We cannot be just, ah, okay, I'm just going to watch things and not let my mind engage with all the data I'm gathering. That is not biblical. Satan wants to blind us for the truth, giving us half-truths, which are total lies. That's one of his big strategies. In the Garden of Eden, he says half-truths that were complete lies. And because both Adam, Adam and Eve, I, I have problems pronouncing them, didn't, didn't have the discernment to, to recognize them. False doctrine has an effect on them. And we need to, to, to know that we, it will affect us. It will have something on us. So, so we need to be informed by biblical truth so we are not shaken in mind or alarmed. Our emotions are grounded in the truth. We are not running like, like chicken little. We are not quickly shaken in mind or alive. The other thing is, this false information, it damages our perspective. It doesn't help us to see things clearly. You see what, what Paul says in first, verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? You see, they already knew these things, but at the moment, they allowed the false data to have an effect on them. Paul in some ways is saying, man, come on, I told you this. But you should have allowed that truth not to only be here, but to come here to your heart and, and grounded your life. That's why what they say, you need the sovereignty of God before suffering. So that can ground you when suffering comes. So we need to discern. So that when, when we see half truths, we know they are complete lies. We were coming from, from Hilton Head in June with, with, with the family. And my wife was uh, reading uh, the book of uh, Chip and Joan Gaines. You know, a fixer-upper kind of thing. She loves that. And, and uh, she was kind of having like a fun read during the vacation. And, and on the way back, she also had the, the audio. Uh, somebody like gave me the, the, the audio of the, of, the, of the book. 
And she's like, um, do you want me to put the audio so we can listen together as a couple? And I say, there's nothing more I can think of that I want to do to listen to Chip and Joan Gaines. So please, go ahead. I will truly enjoy that. And uh, she has been like... She has been like telling me the whole book, and she would read a chapter and kind of like fill me in. I love it. Uh, so this is like the end of the book. They're kind of wrapping up, and, and I don't want to demonize them. I don't want to demonize them because they are not theologians, but they are believers, and I think they lost a great opportunity because at the end of the book, they, they did go through a lot of hardship until they kind of like hit it. And, and, and the end of the book, what they're saying is, you see, we, we stuck with our dream, and we believe in our dream, and God allowed our dream to happen. And I think they lost a great opportunity of saying, we had hardship, we had great times, but we still have our faith. Because many believers will see that and say, my dream. I'm going to stick with my dream. False information will have an effect. Because if that dream doesn't come to fruition, all oh, your emotions will be affected. You see, the kingdom changed our dreams' perspective. Now our dreams are the dreams of the kingdom. Seeing, seeing the kingdom expanded. And our dream should be getting to the end. Getting to the finishing line. And this passage tells us that we will get there. So when the certainty of the future gives us anxiety, we need the comfort that only the gospel can give. So false information distorts reality. Point number two, we should not be surprised by evil. We should not be surprised by evil. I should not be surprised that Dr. Macy is telling me that I'm getting old. It is true. It is true information. But you see, there's something there. We now believe we're immortal. I don't want to offend anybody here. This is what the Bible says. I want to be careful. The Bible says 70 to 80. But now, like, like I, I, I just heard of somebody that passed away at 75. And, and, and the person, the family was not ready. We, we should be ready. I was telling also a, a, a pastor that he told me, I have my, my father that lived to be 95, and I have my, my, my aunt that lived to, to live to 105. And I told him, I truly don't want to live that long. And he looked me all surprised, and I say, I don't know about you, brother, but I have to wake up every morning and open my Bible and fight self-righteousness because I'm a self-righteous person. I have to fight lost because I'm a lustful man. I have to fight being selfish and not want to serve my family. I'm tired of fighting sin. I want to see the Lord. And I don't know if I will have the strength as I get older and older and older, as Dr. Dr. Mace is telling me. The the, the point I'm trying to bring is we, we should not be surprised by evil, and by living in a fallen world. 
That should not surprise us. That should not affect our emotions. We should not be in shock that people sin against us. Because what he's telling them there is, you are suffering, wait for it, and apostasy will come. Wait for it, it's going to get worse. Verse 3, let no one deceive you in any way, for the day will not come unless the rebellion come first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. I'm not going to enter into like millennial, millennial, premillennial. I don't think that's the point of the passage. The point of the passage is the Lord has not come yet. You guys are still in a fallen world that is has suffering. Don't be surprised by it. Don't be surprised by it. There will be evil. There's actually an evil person, a bigger evil person coming up. When he talked about the Antichrist and the apostasy. And the apostasy, that word apostasy, comes from people that have taken and, give, and, and given their back to the faith. So this, this will come from the church. So don't even be surprised when evil comes from inside the church. These people will, will deny the faith. Then you see the Antichrist will come. Uh, verse 4, who, uh, the lawlessness is revealed and the son of destruction who opposes and insults himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So he's talking here about the final days that they will be like an antichrist. But some of, some of the, the, what the passage is saying also in, 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 in other verses is like there's like a spirit of the antichrist already working around us. There will be one that will come, but there's a spirit working surrounding us. And I think that's what many times we are like oblivious about it. Is that the right word? Woo! That's the spirit. <laughs> if I can say that, that's the spirit. <laughs> you see, the, the spirit of the Antichrist in 2018, Montgomery County is living life for ourselves. It's keeping up with the Joneses. He's having this fun-filled life. He's having the Facebook dream of selfies with the perfect family, everything going great. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. That's what we're breathing, and we don't even see it. And we're living this, this life of wanting to be like the rest of the world. The spirit is around us. Things that are against the gospel, you see that he says, the, uh, who opposes and saw himself against every so-called God or order of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. He makes a mockery of God because he presents us all these gods. I was talking about swimming, and I've been seeing a lot of swimming in the last six weeks. And it's a great means of grace, great sport. But I see people that are giving their lives to that and will have nothing at the end. I'm not saying... I'm not demonizing it. I'm saying we should do it in a way that glorifies God. Not, not that it becomes our, our antichrist. Because we take these good gifts from God and we make them the antichrist. Because we exalt them and make them a God. So this passage is not be so concerned about the antichrist that we may not even experience. It's about the spirit of the antichrist that is surrounding us. And many times we don't have the discernment to see it. 
So we should not be surprised that there's evil around us. And we should be looking to see where it's evil. And sometimes evil doesn't look like these evil acts, like murder. The evil that we should be more afraid is the subtle evil that will take our souls and prevent us from making the end. So we can feel here there will be an apostasy, there will be an antichrist. Where is God? Has he abandoned us? And you know the answer. He has not abandoned us because God restrained all these things. Verse 6. And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrain it will do so until he's out of the way. The reason we can have faith in the middle of evil is that we know God restrain or allow things to happen. Nothing comes out of his sovereignty. So he has not abandoned us. We can think he has abandoned us. People dealing, Christian dealing with ISIS can think he has abandoned us. But he doesn't allow anything to happen. He restrained or allowed things to happen. So in the midst of evil that may surprise us, we should not be surprised because nothing God restrained or allowed to happen. He has not abandoned us. He's here with us. Whatever we're going through, he has not abandoned us. If we feel he has abandoned us, it's because we're allowing fake news to enter our, our, our heads and enter our hearts and believe that he's abandoned us. But he's with us. He's near. So we don't, we, we, we don't do like, like they did. Not to be quickly shaking in mind or alarmed. We, we don't freak out. We trust because we ground our lives on biblical truth. He has not abandoned us. So God gave us a glimpse on the future so we can have peace today. When the certainty of the future gives us anxiety, we need the comfort that only the gospel can give. False information distorts reality. We should not be surprised with evil. Point number three, God control our destiny. God control our destiny. You see, when, when, when we allow this false information that may feel real to, to affect our emotion, and I'm not saying that we are emotionless. I'm not saying that we're like robots there. Like we, we're going to fight with these things. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, when these things like control us, there's a difference to getting something and we fight it, and when we're allowing something like that to control our lives. Like fears that we cannot get over them. That are not truth. I don't know if Kathy would like this, but she has a fear of iguanas. And when you go to Puerto Rico, you have to deal with iguanas. I see a couple of you guys that may have to repent of fear of iguanas already. You see, there's a difference about not liking them and, and look at, that they look disgusting. And fearing them because they cannot kill you. There's a difference. You see, there's a difference between having a fear of iguana and having fear of a rattlesnake. 
But many times, we, we let these things control our emotions, things that are happening around us, because we don't believe that God controls our destiny. We have heard about the sovereignty of God. We, have, we can talk about it, but we don't really believe it. And when, when that happens, we need to repent, ask the Lord to help us, and really ask Him for the Spirit to ground His sovereignty in our hearts. Because the Antichrist will be destroyed. This is what God is telling and Paul is telling to the Holy Spirit, to the Thessalonians. You, this, this man of loveness will come. This spirit of the Antichrist will come. But look what will happen to him. God controls everything. Verse 8. And then the loveless one will be revealed. When the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. What he's saying is, Christ already at the cross of Calvary has defeated him. So we're still dealing with this presence of evil because we are in the already not yet. But you can take it to the bank. He will defeat it. And you can be at peace because he has already defeated him. Jesus will destroy him. In Calvary, in the empty tomb, he has already destroyed evil. So we need to believe that today. And we need to believe that because that's the truth of the gospel that takes us to the end. That's what sustains us. Look, look, look at the things that will destroy the evil man, the evil one. His mouth, breath of his mouth. When, when we see breath of his mouth coming out, I, I think we need to go to Genesis where the breath of God gave life. And what this passage is giving is those who trust in the Lord will get the breath of life, but those who do evil things who get the breath of destruction. Because the gospel is salvation for those who believe, but it's judgment for those who are evildoers. And then his glory says, uh, his breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The, the, the English translation here doesn't do right. Because when it says by the appearance of his coming, it, was, it should say by the glory of his coming. You see, what we should desire, what we want, because it's what gives life to us. His word, which are here, which give life to us and give judgment to evildoers. And his glory, which is what we're waiting. And what Second Corinthians chapter 3 is saying that is transforming us now by glory by glory. Looking at his glory, what we is going to do, the final work of transformation. is First John chapter 3 say, when we see him as he is, we will be like him. That thing that we're waiting for, that thing that is our hope, is the same thing that will destroy our enemies. So we trust in him. Because the same thing that will take us to the end is the same thing that will destroy our enemies. And we wait. We wait in pace patiently for the completion of the gospel. His final work that will rescue the church and give us hope for eternity. Actually, no hope. Hope we have now. It will give you truth for eternity. The glory that we will see forever. Verse 10 B to 12, he said, the rebels will be judged because they refuse to love the truth and so be safe. Therefore, God sent them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned 
who will not believe the truth but have pleasure in unrighteousness. Do you see the contrast? Those who believe have hope. Those who not believe have unrighteousness. Information affects our emotion, affects perspective, affects our souls. This passage here is all about knowing what is right or knowing what is wrong. It's the contrast of those who have the truth and those who have believed life. What Paul is telling the Thessalonians and is telling to the church now is that suffering, persecution, we should not lose our perspective. We should not be surprised by evil when it comes to us because we know what will happen to evil. He will be destroyed by, his, by the breath of his mouth and the appearance of his glory. They, their day will come. So if life is not according to what you plan, if your marriage is not as happy as you want it to be, if you thought you would be married by, by now and it's, that hasn't happened, if, if your children, you know, they haven't uh, given the fruit that you desire, if your career or financial situation is not where you want it to be. You see, the happily ever after, if that hasn't happened, I have good news for, uh, for you. The happily ever after will happen when he comes. And we can experience and start seeing glimpses of that now as we look at his glory and be satisfied in him. Evil can raise. God has not abandoned us. If we believe that he has abandoned us, it's because we have believed lies. And we need to repent of those. You see, abandonment, it would have been if Jesus would have stepped down from the cross. But he stayed there, carrying our sins, so that in our darkest day, we can look at Jesus dying for us and knowing that he has not abandoned us. That he has defeated whatever evil you are facing. And that he will take you to the end. So not allow false information. Let the gospel inform and ground your emotions. So we, we will not be those shaken by waves going left and right. But we steady go to the end for the glory of of our Savior, and Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, thank you for your mercy for us. You truly has not abandoned us. And we thank you that your nearness is a certainty for us. We pray that as we are bombarded by different philosophies and worldviews, that we will be grounded in Scripture and your truth and the reality that you are with us and has not abandoned us because we know in Calvary that you took the whole price for our sins. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, church.